You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. The final uh, part of a series that I started, uh, this will be the third week that we're into it, and uh, it's titled The Cross. And the whole thrust of this series has been uh, for us to, to look at the cross biblically, for us to look at, uh, at the cross the way that, uh, that the, the scriptures uh, intend for us to, to look at it, because a lot of times, I believe, uh, we can get confused with the symbol of the cross instead of the message of the cross. And uh, symbols can get us into, uh, into tradition. Uh, they can uh, entangle us and lead us down a place of uh, the lack of freedom that we have in Christ. And so I've been trying to bring forth uh, through the scriptures uh, what the cross uh, is supposed to be to us as believers. And, uh, and I've gotten some wonderful feedback. Um, I think that there's uh, talk going on in the community uh, about the series and especially uh, how we look at different logos. Um, and so as we end today, I, I think it's vital for us to, to bring closure. And I love the song that, that was played, uh, The Cross has the final word. Did you know that? It's settled at the cross. Jesus settled our sin at the cross. And there's nothing that we can do, there's nothing that we can do to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. He paid it all so that you don't have to pay anything. It cost him everything, but it's free to us who believe. And uh, last week, uh, went to Kearney, to the Kearney campus, and uh, about a year ago, I did a wedding in uh, Mount Lemon, on, on the top of Mount Lemon, <clears throat> a young couple that had come to me and asked me if I would uh, officiate their wedding. Uh, the, the husband, or to-be, the, the fiancé, the husband-to-be, was in the military and he was not a believer. In fact, he was an atheist. And the, the bride-to-be was a believer. And they came to me and they said, we want to get married. And uh, I'm all about marriage. I think that that's God's institution, consummates relationships. It's, it's what makes us uh, one in a relationship. And so we, I said, yes, I'll do the wedding. I've done many weddings where there's a person that's an atheist or an agnostic, a non-believer, and, uh, and one person's a believer. And I know some people take, uh, they have trouble with that, but uh, I believe they're going to go get married anyways, and it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so we had three premarital counseling sessions as we went into the, the wedding date. And uh, the first time that we met uh, this uh, young man, was uh, very, uh, had a wall up, and he was there to, to do his part and listened, uh, was very cordial about listening, but I could tell that he was just there to get it over with and get, with, through, get into the wedding. 
So we laid a foundation about leaving uh, your father and mother and cleaving to your wife and the two becoming one and what that means and how marriage is God's idea, not man's idea. So started with that, and then the next uh, time that we met, I always go into the, the third. That's the second chapter of Genesis, by the way. It's the foundation of marriage. The third chapter of Genesis uh, talks about how the serpent came in and how he divided the man and the woman from, from God. And, and I always talk about you know, how important that is for us to understand that there is an enemy in our lives that wants to divide us uh, from God, first of all, but also from each other. So we talked about that, and then we went into Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about the, the role of a husband and a wife. So I, I'm saying all this to, to say that we went through these pre, three premarital counseling sessions, and I shared the Lord with them, and I could tell a stirring was taking place in him, but he didn't accept Jesus. So he went on deployment right after the wedding, and, uh, and so this past Sunday... He was at the Kearney campus. Uh, he, last time I saw him was at the Hayden campus. We've merged, and now we're at the Kearney campus. And uh, so he was in the audience uh, in the congregation as I was preaching, and I was preaching about the cross and how God gives us perspective through the cross, and you see things differently, and how he leads us uh, in truth and how he changes our lives. And it's through the cross that this happens. Well, at the end of the service, I gave an invitation and uh, this young man raised his hands to give his life to Jesus Christ, which I think is amazing. <clears throat> now, there's two things that I think are amazing about that. And the first one is that um, uh, he uh, gave his life to Jesus Christ, which means that he's saved if he did it with his whole heart. And I believe he did. And the second, <clears throat> the second thing that's very important to me is he's a millennial. And the millennial generation, younger generation, is a, a generation that is very unchurched and very un-God. We don't need God. We have, we have everything we need. And so he came to the place in his life where he said, I do need God. And he came to find God where? Where did he find God? In the church. So it tells us that we do need church. Amen? And, and so... What changed this young man's life, and I knew that, that it was real because uh, the, that night, late that night, he sent me a, a friend request on Facebook. So you know it's real when you get a friend request on Facebook. <laughs> That's how we gauge. You can laugh. It's just funny, guys. So I got this friend request on Facebook from, from, from this young man, and, and, and what, is, what is really amazing to me is that uh, he, he wants to grow and, and, and learn about the things of God. And here at Living Word Chapel, uh, our, we exist. <clears throat> we exist so we can connect people to God. We can connect people to Jesus. We exist so that we can grow people in their faith. We exist so that we can uh, lead people to serve with their God-given gifts. And it's amazing to see everybody serving here in this first service, the people that serve. We exist to reach people who need God. And the way that we reach people who need God is through the cross of Jesus Christ, and not the cross of Jesus Christ uh, as far as the, the, the symbol, but through the message of the cross and what Jesus actually did at Calvary by reconciling us back to the Father. I want to piggyback because it's so, it's so, uh, it's so true what Paul wrote. In, in 1 Corinthians, I talked about it last week a little bit, but I'm going to really expand on it this week. Um, you know, Paul is writing 
to the Corinthians, and he, and he says, you know, when we go out in this world, we face people that are educated and we face people that are religious. Even atheism is a religion. Atheism believes, they believe that there is no God and that they can live their life on their own. They have a belief system. That's religion. Whatever you believe is what you live out. And so what Paul is saying in, 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 this, in this book, he's saying, uh, we go out into this world and we face people and they're either going to have a religious uh, mindset that leads their life or they're going to have an intellectual mindset that's going to lead their life. And, and you're going to actually submit yourself to whichever one of these that, that, that you own in your life. Whichever ones are the, the most important that, that you prioritize. If it's intellect, it's, I, can, I can figure things out. But if you notice that in life, that there's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end it leads to death, leads to destruction, right? And then in, in, in religion, and here's the thing about religion, is it's I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. But Christianity is God did because we can't. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so Paul said this as he's writing uh, this letter to the Corinthians. He says, the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who are, 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 are headed in a way away from God and, and perishing. But to, to us, he says, to us who are being saved, it's actually the power of God. And, and there's not a time, there's not a time, beloved, that I meet with someone. See, even when I met with this couple, I knew that this young man was putty in God's hands. I always believe that. Whoever God brings in my path, I believe it, that God has brought them into my life. I don't care if they're atheist, agnostic, Wicca. I don't care if they're uh, uh, Satanist. I don't care who they are. I believe that they've, if they've crossed path with me, that the God that I serve is bigger than whatever they're serving. And he said, the word, he said, the message that we preach, the message of the cross is foolishness. Now notice this, hear me now. The message that we preach, the message that we share is the greatest message that there is. And people that aren't believers sometimes think it's foolishness, but to us, it is the power of God. And if, there's, it's, and if it's the power of God, there is no other power that's bigger, that's greater. And so if the power of God is working in and through us through the message of the cross, then there's no one that will ever come across when we walk in the confidence of Jesus Christ. There's no one that will come across that will not be impacted, not by us, but by God and the message of the cross. We're saved, we're saved from the sin that is so against us and trying to destroy us. You know, we live, we live in a time and a day where, where we're so resistant in saying the word sin. I, I, I can fall into that uh, because there's, 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 a, there's a pendulum 
There's a pendulum that swings both ways. And, and so people that are unchurched, they, when they go into a church that, that attacks them, that, you know, you're a sinner, you're this, you're that. Uh, first of all, let me say something to all of us, is most of us know and we realize that we're pretty messed up. We, we don't need everyone to tell us how messed up we are, right? I, I know that. So the pendulum that says, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, and there's no hope for you, and you've got to do it on your own, is not the, the good news of God. And the, the pendulum goes the other way, right? And the other side is that, you know what, everything's okay, and we're not going to talk about sin, we're not going to talk about what, what's going on in your life, you know, we're just going to leave everything Grace, 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 and, and let me tell you, I am a strong proponent of grace, and I teach, and you guys know this, Jesus plus nothing, because it's Jesus plus nothing that changes everything. It's the grace of God working in and through us that changes everything. There's nothing that I can do in my own ability. There's nothing I can do in my religious ability to change the fact that I'm desperately in need of a God that is more powerful than me. And more loving than me. I think it's vital for us not to neglect the subject of sin. Because when we have an understanding of sin, we pursue forgiveness and salvation. At the heart of sin is always a life that is self-seeking, self-serving, and ultimately self-destroying. When everything is about me, when I seek everything for me, when I, when I want everything to be served for me, ultimately it will destroy me because that's not how, who I was created to be. But it leads me to this place. It leads me to the cross. It leads me to how important the cross is to God. How important the cross is to man. How important the cross is to women. And there's room at the cross for me. And there's room at the cross for you. There was room at the cross for that young man that gave his life to Jesus. There was room at the cross for those ladies, Mother's Day that Shauna talked about that gave their life to Jesus Christ. There's room at the cross for you. Because the good news, beloved, the good news, let me tell you this, the good news is not that you're a sinner. The good news is that you have a Savior who loves you. Right? It's bad news when you leave out of here thinking, I'm a sinner. It's great news when you know that there's a God who loves you. And he created you so that he could love you and you could worship him and find your purpose in him. And so I want to I talk about three things that, that I think are vital as we close this, this series. Uh, the first thing is it's through the cross that sin is defeated. It's through the cross that sin is defeated. And, and I would even say this. In, in fact, this was my first, in, in this first point, I had this word before I even put defeated. And I said, defeat has got to be the word we look at because that's the truth. 
That, that sin is defeated at the cross, but not only is it defeated, it's also defined. It's also defined. You can write that on your notes. You can put, it's defeated, but it's also defined. I think that most people in modern times are either offended by the word sin or we're ignorant of it. We don't understand it. We don't know what, 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 what does it mean. You know, it's, it's such a churchy, it's such a religious word, Right? We're offended by it. You know, you, you're, so, you're so intolerant. That's a good word that, that's used nowadays. You're so intolerant. You, 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 you're so biased. You know, last week I shared about uh, the cross giving us perspective, and more importantly, God's per- perspective. And I mentioned that if we don't get the cross, we'll never get life. If you don't get the cross and the forgiveness that you've received, the, the, the love that God has for you and everything that you've done and he loved you despite yourself, despite your actions, that he loved you and that cross grants this forgiveness, this, this love to be equated and to be poured into your heart and into your life. If you don't get that, how are you going to extend forgiveness to the people in your life? And, and is there anyone in here that has a, a perfect relationship with every person here? Or, or is there anyone here that has a perfect, re- and I know husbands just started hugging their wives right now, I saw that. Is there anyone in here that has a perfect relationship with every person in your community? Or your family? Let's not even get started. So it gives you perspective. You, you don't understand uh, uh, life until you understand the cross. It gives us so much perspective. I had a, 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 a man that gave their life, their life to Jesus a couple, uh, maybe four months ago, and, and, and on the phone he said to me, life makes sense now since I started to read this, and I get the cross. Life makes sense now. The, the first thing that we need to understand today is that the God that we serve is holy. And I don't mean like the jeans that we wear nowadays. And, and God is holy. He is so righteous and so good. There's nothing, nothing evil, not even a speck of evil. There's nothing bad in God. And God and sin cannot coexist. Did you know that? God and sin cannot coexist. In fact, uh, God's holiness, and, and I'm going to say a word that, that, that it, it's, it's very biblical, God's holiness and his wrath are revealed throughout the Bible, right? And, and his holiness shows that, that he is perfectly righteous, perfectly just in everything that he does. And, and his wrath, his wrath tells us that he's got to deal with sin, He has to. If he is a perfect God, he has to deal with sin. And so the holiness of God exposes sin and his wrath opposes sin. You got that? The the holiness of God, it exposes sin and his wrath opposes sin. And, and, And sin, sin is the greatest enemy of God's greatest creation. His prized creation is you. His prized creation is you and me. And sin opposes us. 
We're in a war with sin. It's, it's like it wants to entangle us all the time. And, and, and we see in Scripture that God in his holiness is described in two metaphors. I have a lot of teaching, so I hope we can get through it. But this is, there, there's two metaphors that, that we find about God's holiness. First of all is the height of his holiness. God is way above us. He's way above all other gods, small g, all other gods. In fact, he's referred to uh, in Scripture many times as the most high God. The psalmist put it like this, for the Lord most high is to be feared a king, a great king of all the earth. So God is way above us. His holiness is, is way above our, our uh, limited righteousness. And then God is also distant. God is also distant. We cannot approach God without being cleansed. We cannot uh, approach God without there being a, a, a uh, atonement. That's a big word, but it just means for us to be made right. In fact, at the, at the burning bush, uh, when Moses came into the presence of God, uh, God spoke from this burning bush, and he said, do not come any closer. And he said, take off your sandals because the ground that you are standing on is holy. And so it tells us that there's a, there's a proximity of distance, there's a proximity of height in God's holiness. Because he is so righteous, so, so holy, so transcendent that we cannot approach him in our sin. And so the cross, beloved, the cross, it points us to our sin and it also points us to the need of a savior. It points us that we need a savior. If, if the Messiah, if the, if, the, if the righteous one came and died on the cross, it says that we have a problem, but it says that he has a solution. And, and the New Testament, you know, we don't talk about sin, but the New Testament uses five words to describe sin. You know, it, it, it pinpoints what sin is. The, the most common, and I might mess up these words, they're, they're Greek words, but if I do, unless you're a Greek scholar, you won't know that I did. And if you are a Greek scholar, wait till after the service and talk to me. Wait till tomorrow, right? So, so the most common, the most common word that's used in Scripture for sin, uh, uh, for sin is hamartia, hamartia, and it means to miss a mark. Used many times in scripture, uh, the Bible says in Romans 3, it says, For all have hamartia, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. That word just means you miss a mark, right? Being justified as a gift by his, by his what? By his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The redemption is in the cross. The second word is adikia. I love the way I said that. Adikia, which means unrighteous or iniquity. And Paul wrote to the, to the Romans, and he said in, in Romans 1, he said, for the wrath of God, here's where the Bible talks about the wrath. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. If you're, if, you're, if you're walking away from God, you're doing the things contrary to God, ungodliness. And adikia, okay, unrighteousness of men and women who suppress the truth in Adikia. 
and unrighteousness. That's the second description of, of sin. The third and fourth word are, are very closely related. Uh, parabasis and uh, paratoma, which mean to trespass or transgress, to step over a boundary. And I know that you guys have never stepped over a boundary. When we, when we put those boundaries on that wall, no one ever jumped over that wall. Nobody? <laughs> right? And it says, uh, um, brethren, if anyone is caught up in a paratoma, in a trespass, you who are spiritual, look at how the, the cross changes everything. You who are spiritual, what does it say? Crush that person, step on that person, beat them up, talk about how bad they are. Does it say that? It says, restore such a, such a, a, a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so you too will not be tempted and fall into paratoma, a trespass. The fifth word is anomia, which means lawlessness, and that's to disregard or violate a known law. And, and this fell right on my lap yesterday. It fell right on my lap because I was, I was in, in animo, uh, anomia. I was in anom, anom, anomia. So <laughs> I'm doing some work at the house. I'm doing some, and there's a police officer in front. Hi, officer. Doing some work. And he says, sir. You've got to move your vehicle. Is this your vehicle? I said, nope, not my vehicle, my mother-in-law's. <laughs> True story. You can, I, I'll get her for you, right? You got the handcuffs? Are you? He said, he said sir, where's Shirley at? Uh, he said, sir, um, we are following the ordinance, the county, the county ordinance, that you cannot park your car on the sidewalk in San Manuel. Some people are clapping. Some people of us have been doing it for 30 years. They're like, what's wrong? We've been doing it for 30 years. Anomia, right? You, you violate a known law. Uh, so he, uh, Romans 4 says this in verse 7. Blessed are those whose uh, anomia, their deeds have been forgiven, their lawless deeds have been forgiven, and whose sins have been covered. So, so we see all these descriptions of sin, and, and here's the thing. I don't know about you guys, but I fall into these categories all the time. I, I shared my story yesterday. Of course, it wasn't me. It was my mother-in-law, but I parked right behind her. <laughs> you know, and, and the great theologian, John Stott, one of my heroes, John Stott wrote in his book titled The Cross of Christ. He said, the very word sin has in recent years dropped for most people's vocabulary, it belongs to traditional religious phraseology, which at least in the increasingly secularized West, he wrote this book in 1986, it's a classic, uh, in, the, in the increasingly secularized West is now declared by many to be meaningless. In other words, to not mean anything. He said, moreover, if, if and when sin is mentioned, it is most likely misunderstood. And a lot of times, a lot of times, we get caught up in blaming our sin or our, our bad choices on our peers, on our family upbringing, on our past hurts. And, and while these add an element to our sin, it's vital for us to realize that our sin, sinful behavior does not derive from the exterior, 
but it comes from within. Every human has a problem with sin. Did you know that? Every one of us has a problem with sin. And the solution is Jesus. And and, and religion, religion wants to change you from the outside. They want you to behave a certain way. We do that with our kids. Behave a certain way, but every behavior has a root. Pornography has a root. Uh, when, you, when you have a, a, a if you're a kleptomaniac, you, trouble, you have trouble stealing, there's a root to that. It's not ex, ex, it's an exterior thing that you're doing. It, it, that's what's manifesting, but there's a root to everything we do. If you're a murderer, if you've ever murdered someone, there's a root to that. Hostility, hatred, and things that you do. If you gossip, if you talk about people, God doesn't look any differently as someone that murders than someone that gossips because you're killing people with your tongue. And there's a root that comes from that. And, and, and so we, uh, um, we want to blame our, our genetics. We want to blame, you know, I'm a Mexican. That's why I, I put park on the sidewalk. Doesn't that officer know I'm a vato from the barrio? Come on, homie. Right? We want to we want to blame our genetics. We want to blame parents. We want to blame their community. I, I'm I'm from San Manuel. Everyone parks on the sidewalk, and the officer said, "I don't care if you're from San Manuel. You're going to park on the street." Right? We 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 our culture, and we want to do everything from that. It's we want to blame everything, and I want someone to hear this today. There comes a time in your life that you've got to quit blaming everybody else for your mistakes and your sin. It's not what's on the outside that causes us to sin. It's what's on the inside of all of us. And Jesus gives us the, 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 the reality of this. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. As the religious leaders, because religion will always do this. Every person that come and, comes and talks to me about things that... Uh, that we're doing wrong and, and, and things that, that, uh, that they believe is wrong is always exterior. If it's, if it's from a religious spirit, it's always, why are we doing this? Why are people dressing this way? Why are people doing this? And, 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 and it, this is what religious people do. And so Jesus answered them. He said this. Jesus called to the crowd. And he called the crowd to him and he said, listen to me. Everyone, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them, okay? Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then he went on the, 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 the context. He talks to the, to the, the multitude, then he talks to his disciples. Here, he, here's where he goes on to talk to his disciples. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come from. Sexual immorality, it comes from your heart. Theft, it comes from your heart. Murder, it comes from your heart. Adultery comes from your what? Your heart. Greed, it comes from your heart. Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils, they come from inside and they defile a person. In other words, and this is what I want you guys to, to maybe lead with today, sin is not an external force. 
It's an, inter- it's an internal part of our nature outside of Jesus Christ. It's a thing that we deal with. And have you ever seen a three- or a four-year-old do something that you're like, I cannot believe you did that? And if you haven't, come visit my family. And what the cross reveals to us is that God the Father loves you so much. He loves you so much despite what's on the inside, despite what's going on in your, in your heart, that he's willing to offer his son for your sins. And Paul wrote this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians. He said, for our sake, he, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin. And he knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? The good news is that Jesus became sin because of my sin so that in Christ I could become the righteousness of God. That's good news. That's what the cross is all about. The cross has transforming power over what? Our sin. Our difficulties, the things that we struggle with. But number two, this is, this is vital right here. The cross points us to realize that repentance is needed. When's the last time that we talked repentance? The cross points us to realize that repentance is needed. In, in Peter's first sermon, the first sermon, now, he denied Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, okay? And, and, and Jesus on the cross died for everyone's sin. And Jesus, on the third day when he was raised from the dead, the first person he goes to is Peter. And he restores Peter he restores all the things that he has done, and, and he loved on him. And, and Peter, who denied Jesus, now becomes empowered through the, the Holy Spirit, and he preaches the first sermon ever recorded in the, in the New Testament. And in that sermon, guess what he preaches? The cross. The resurrection, the power of God. With boldness. But, but look at what Peter says. Look at what he says. He said, God has made this Jesus, and he's, before he denied him to the Jews, now he's talking to the Jews. He says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, okay, whom you crucified. He made him both Lord and Messiah. So he's talking about the message of what? The cross, whom you crucified. And guess what? When, I'm, when people are talking to me before I was in Christ, guess who crucified Jesus? Me. My sins sent Jesus to the cross. So, so he's saying, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, when he preached the message of the cross, they were cut to the heart. Last week, as, as I was preaching, I was preaching the cross and, and the message of the cross, there were people that were, were convicted. They were cut to the heart. They were pierced on the, in the inner part of their life. Now, think about it. If sin comes from the heart, if, if all this immorality and greed and, and, and anger and, 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 and murder comes from the heart, don't you have to be pierced in the heart for you to be right in your heart? And the Holy Spirit goes right 
beyond your exterior, the way that you dress, the way that people want to change you on the outside. The Holy Spirit goes way beyond that into the heart of a man, into the heart of a woman, and he pierces your heart, and he says, you need a change. And he, he cut to the heart, and, he, and, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied to them, and he said, go to the information table and have a donut after I preach. Because we don't want to violate. And some of you guys went, well, don't. Let's see, let's see again. I'm, I, I read that wrong. I'm hungry. And Peter replied, repent. Repent. And be baptized. Every one of you. He's talking to everybody. He's, he, he's not excluding anybody. Every one of them needed to repent. And then he said, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, not only do you repent, but you repent in and for and through Christ. He said, and then you're going to be forgiven of all your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, all of us, all of us are created in the image of God. And this is so important, beloved. This is so important. All of us are created in the image of God. And part of having the image of God is that we have the ability to choose. And we have the responsibility of our choices. And that's why we cannot blame people for the problems in our lives. We can't blame people for the, for the uh, choices in our lives. We can't blame people. And we got to stop blaming God for what we're going through because that happens. We were created in the image of God with the ability to choose, the privilege to choose, but also the responsibility of our choices. And so Peter says, metanoia, metanoia, you need to repent. And, and repentance explained as this, it's simply to change our mind. We change our mind. Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, he says, I, I say and I testify in the Lord that, that you must no longer Walk as the Gentiles do or those that don't know God in the futility or in the, in the corruption of, of their minds. They are darkened where? When you're outside of Christ, you're darkened in your understanding and you're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their... And it's, it's just so... It just explains everything. You're, you, in your mind, you're being led away. And it says it's because of the hardness of your heart. And that's why the Holy Spirit goes deep into the heart when, he, when you begin to, to be convicted and you want to change your life. And the only way you can change it is through Jesus Christ. But there has to be that repentance. You make that 180 in your thinking. You're, you're thinking completely away from God. You're doing things contrary to God. And you turn around and you start thinking in the ways of God. It's also a change in direction. 
It's a change in your, in, your, in your mind, but it's a change in your direction. I was walking away from God. I was walking contrary to God. But metanoia says, I'm going to start walking with God. I'm going to start walking toward God. Peter wrote this, since Christ suffered physical pain, how, where did he suffer? On the cross. Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with that same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. Did you know that I suffered this week for the gospel? Did, I can tell you right now that there, there, there's, there's talk that goes on. There's, there's people that come at us for the gospel. How many of you find it a privilege to suffer for the gospel? How many of you don't want no part of that? How many of you rather inflict punishment then receive it, right? He says, you're going to suffer for, 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 this, for the gospel, for this attitude that you're going to have. Be ready to suffer. And, and he says, for if you have suffered physically for Christ and you have, you, you be, you have finished with sin, you have finished with sin, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. Notice the direction. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desire but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You'll turn around from the way that you were living and you'll turn to God's direction and you'll walk with God, but you'll also imitate the things of Christ because they're better than your ways. Being angry with people is a horrible life. Try having the peace of Christ. Stealing is a horrible life. Try being generous. He said, you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires. And then verse 3, you have had enough. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless, pe godless people enjoy. And I can tell you right now, when I was walking with the devil, when I was walking outside of Christ, I enjoyed that life until the day that I came to, 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 to the cross, to, to Jesus, and, that, and, I, and, and he pierced my heart, and I saw, I saw my life for what it really was. I said to, my, to myself, I said to God, first of all, I said, there's got to be more to life to myself. There's got to be more to life than this. So you see, I saw my friends making the moves on my other friends' wives and, and at this party. I saw my friends, uh, on their, uh, their girlfriends, uh, making the moves on their, on their girlfriends' friends. And I saw, but I was the leader of the pack. I had walked away just for a moment, away from the gazebo where we were partying, and I went to this place with my kids, and I said, there's got to be more to life than this. That wasn't me, beloved. That wasn't me. That was God. And my next, my next word or phrase was, God, if you're real, show me, and I'll follow you. There was no religion there. There was desperation. There was an end of myself and an openness to the God of eternity. And he says, uh, you know, you've had enough of that past the evil things that, that godless people enjoy, their immorality and their lust and their feasting and their drunkenness and their wild parties and the terrible worship of idols. And, and here's the thing. 
When you are outside of Christ, you will worship idols. You'll put everything before God. Whatever is the most important thing to you, you might say, well, I don't have this, I don't have this Buddha doll, or I don't have this Hindu you know, statue. I don't have this, or I don't have that, I don't have a star. But whatever you put before God, it could be your vehicle, it could be your house, it could be your kids, it could be your husband. Whatever you put before God will become your idol. And he said, there's a change. And repentance leads us away from an old life into a new life in Christ. Not for our salvation, but because of it. Not for our salvation, but because of it. And then there's a change in our allegiance. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm sold out? Or I'm all in? Sports teams, sports teams, they, they, they have to get to a place. Champion, championship caliber sports teams have to get to a place. They have to get to a place where they, they, they come and they say, I'm all in, right? We change our allegiance, okay? God... God doesn't want our applause. He wants our allegiance. When they ask Jesus, I'm going I'm to close with this. I'm going to give you the last point, but I'm going to close with this because I haven't seen the time. When they ask Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What's the most important thing that we could do? Jesus said this, the most important thing that we could ever do in our lives is to love the Lord, your God. With all, not with some, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It's the greatest thing we could ever do. You see, I lived 26 years with loving everything else but God. And my prayer for you, beloved is that you will give your allegiance to Jesus. Because the cross changes everything. But he's given you a privilege in your choice, a privilege in your responsibility. That means he thinks higher of you than most people. When you have your kids and you you make them responsible, it's because you think higher of them than lower Amen? If you just let them do what they're doing without any consequences, you really don't think that high of them. Have you ever said, I expect better of you? So let me just give you the, what, what the last point is, and we'll close. Because I got people in the back going like this. I mean, I could go on for another hour, but... The last, the last thing I want you to leave with, okay, is this. The cross of Jesus, it grants complete forgiveness. And this is for the religious person in here, that you have a problem with Jesus paid it all. 
There's nothing that you can do before Christ or after Christ that will earn you any status in heaven. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his cross. And I will never, ever, 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 ever preach anything but that. It's done at the cross. Just so you can fill in the blanks, and then I'm going to go. <laughs> Here are the three facets of, of your salvation. I know some of you guys are going to be like, Pastor, the, the first thing is justification. You can write that down. Justification. It's a cross of Christ that justifies us. We're, we're, we're acquitted as guilty, but we're justified through what Jesus did. The second thing is, is sanctification. Big words. I'm talking more, I'm teaching more this Sunday than I usually do. I, I teach all the time, but this is some theological terms that are very important. Sanctification. That means you've been set apart. That through the cross of Jesus, you were brought from the, from the, the, uh, the dominion of, of the, the, the king of this world, the devil, and you've been placed into the, into the kingdom of God's beloved son. You've been sanctified, okay? And you're being sanctified progressively. Every day, I'm becoming more like Jesus because the Holy Spirit's working in me. Amen? And then the last thing is glorification. Glorification. We're glorified through what Jesus did. Did you know we receive his glory? When God looks at us, he, he bestows glory on us. And there's Bible, there's, there's Bible evidence so that you'll know that in your, uh, in your outline. So let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for the cross of Jesus. It's through the cross that I receive complete forgiveness and restoration for my sins and all of my past mistakes. Words can't describe how humbled and grateful I am for your grace, for your mercy. As I choose to follow Jesus Christ, I pray for the Holy Spirit to lead me in all that I think and all that I do for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.